Hi, and welcome to another episode of the RCH Kids Health Info Podcast, the podcast for parents about common child health concerns. I'm Dr. Lexi Frydenberg, paediatrician and your host for today, and I'm joined by my good friend, Dr. Anthea Rhodes. Welcome, Anth. Thanks, Lex. From the Royal Children's Hospital, Melbourne, this is the Kids Health Info Podcast. Today we are talking about puberty and as a paediatrician and mother of three children aged 11, 14 and 16, this is a topic that comes up all the time, often at the most inopportune moments as well. Absolutely, yes, in my household too. And a lot of the questions that come up are what is normal, what's normal puberty these days, when is it too early, what about if puberty hasn't arrived yet, what's too late? And have you had the talk with your children yet? Look, we have had versions of the talk. So my kids are a little bit younger than yours, Lexi. Certainly a boy and girl who are right there on the cusp of puberty. And in the last 12 months particularly, we've really had lots of their friends at different ages and stages starting to show signs of development. But I was really surprised to actually learn how much the kids already know Absolutely. I think they're learning a lot at school these days. And I think each child will respond quite differently. My oldest, very happy happy to talk about it. My middle has not said a word to me about it. I've asked her what they've learned at school and is, you know, zip, won't say a thing. And my youngest is going through it at school at the moment. And actually, I read um, the famous book, Where Do I Come From, with him the other day. You've the still I- got that, Lexi? I've still got that. It was the iconic book from my childhood. Many listeners might remember it. But it seems so outdated now. And they have so much information these days. You Absolutely. know, they're, they're able to access things on the internet. We know that kids are actually viewing all kinds of material younger and younger. So asking them and starting by asking them what do they already know, I think is really important. That's a great starting point. I'd love to hear how you would continue that conversation or how you have continued that conversation with your own kids, Anth? Yeah, well, I think important to find out what they know. And then there's a bit of fact checking because sometimes what they think they know is actually miles away from reality. And, you know, they might be really worried about something that's actually not likely to be happening. So that's a great point. Setting, yeah. setting the record straight, if you like, a little bit, giving them the facts is really important as a next step. And then trying to get some questions, you know, what do they want to know? And a bit like you, it's different depending on children, you know, not to gender stereotype, but typically boys might be less inclined to ask questions than girls. I know in my household, my son, who's 11, we noticed he started to have a little bit of body odour and it was his 10-year-old sister who was like, you really smell, like, yeah. you need some deodorant. He's awkwardly backing off into the corner and she was right out there ready yeah. to have the, the honest truth comes honest from, that, from the siblings. So, yeah, finding out what they know, setting the record straight, making sure that they're not misinformed because I think they might hold on to things that aren't actually true and that might really create a lot of worry. And then answering questions. There is a wide range of ages when puberty starts, but it does seem to be starting earlier. Joining us in the studio today to help us unpack this information and discuss all things to do with puberty is paediatric endocrinologist Dr Michelle O'Connell. Thanks for joining us, Michelle. Thanks for having me. So, Michelle, it's great to have you here, and it might be worth perhaps starting by telling the listeners what a paediatric endocrinologist is. I'm not even sure my own children know what I do, but a a paediatric endocrinologist is a doctor for kids who specialises in managing hormones in kids. Hormones, those those beastly hormones. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. But hormones, I guess more broadly, hormones are actually just the name given to any signal that our body 
produces in one part of the body that talks to another part of the body. So we've got lots of hormones going on in our bodies. They're often kind of talked about in the sort of puberty or menopause type ages. But but in in our bodies, we've got growth hormone. We've got hormones that keep us well, keep our, our energy going, that sort of thing. So in relation to puberty, I guess we see kids where they or maybe their mums or dads are worried that puberty is either happening a bit early or hasn't started to happen when it's happened for other kids. They'd be the main things. Okay, so maybe a good place to start is really having a discussion about what is normal puberty. So when does it normally occur? What are the age ranges for boys and girls? And what are the stages that we're likely to see as parents our children go through? Puberty, I guess, is sort of the name or of the stage when your body starts to change from being more like a child's body to that of a grown-up or an adult. And I think technically it's really the, the age of our stage when your bodies can start to have children of their own. But we use it in the more broad terms. Which is a, quite a daunting yeah, thought indeed. sort of in modern day, but exactly. actually that biologically what, that's, that's what's biologically going on. That's what's going on, yeah. exactly. For girls, the first sign of true puberty is breast development. So essentially what's happening in your body is that the there are signals that come from a small gland called the pituitary gland, and that's a, a, a gland that lies in behind our eyes. It's like the size of a pea, but it's a really busy gland and it does a lot of controlling of what the body does. And that the pituitary gland releases signals that talk either to the ovaries, if you've got ovaries, or the testes, if you've got testes, and they start to produce signals. And it's those signals that then allow the changes in our bodies to start happening. So in girls, the first sign is breast development. And in boys, the first sign is growth in the testes uh, and growth in the penis. And in terms of the other stages, what would um, in girls, what what would we expect next? So what typically can... more breast development, but also a growth spurt in terms of height. So that's one of the early in the first half of puberty um, signs in girls. And a later sign, and I think this is important because families are often keen to know, well, if puberty's starting, when is she going to get her period? Yes. Um, but typically the, the sort of interval between breast development starting and first period is around two and a half years, maybe even three years in some kids. And I think that's an important point for us all to know that it can happen over a long time. Um, so just if you're starting early doesn't mean that everything else will follow early. It can be no, that's absolutely. many, many years. Yeah, and sometimes puberty is a little bit longer if you start at the earlier end. You, it's a more... Uh, sort drawn of a out, process. out process, exactly. Yeah, right. But in terms of normal, so I guess breast development from the age of eight in a girl is is considered normal, um, which seems pretty young. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that you know a lot of families are taken back by that. Yes. Um, and you know, so th- while that's normal, only only about three percent of girls will have, or three in a hundred girls will have their breast development at that stage. So the more average time to have breast development is more around the ten eleven mark. Yeah. But there are some who are earlier and some who are later. Okay. So it ranges from eight, and what's the upper limit of up to thirteen? Girls? Yeah, twelve, okay. thirteen. And in boys, the age range. So in boys, saying? yeah. So on, onset of puberty, any stage from the age of nine. Um, and again, with a range up to sort of 13, 14 years. And you mentioned the different stages in girls, that they have breast development, um, they might have a growth spurt, and usually the periods are a bit later. With boys, you mentioned they often start with the enlargement of the testes or the penis. What would we then expect? Yeah, so they're the early signs, and often that's happening without them really noticing. So yes. those those signals and changes might be there, but they're a bit subtle in the early stages. Um, so 
the growth spurt in boys is a bit later and signs such as voice deepening and, you know, facial hair, they're all quite late signs. So puberty can be happening without boys actually really noticing. Especially when the girls seem to, if they're a bit earlier, plus they have the growth spurt, they might all seem to be kind of taking off at a quicker rate and suddenly the boys feel like they're a little bit behind. Left behind. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a chicken with delay puberty, but often the girls are towering over the boys in in the upper primary years. Yes. Um, Just a question I get asked a lot is, do those stages have to occur in a certain order? So usually the stages that I mentioned will happen in that order, but pubic hair and hair and hair under your arms, body odor, like you were talking about, Anth, or even skin changes like pimples, um, those kind of things can happen in, interjected along with the sort of breast development growth spurt periods. Um, okay. So it's not always a defined order, but usually is. Usually. So the one process that that is the sort of um, changes in breast development or changes in testes and genitalia for boys with growth and then more change. That's what we call sort of true puberty and that's where the pituitary gland is talking to either the ovaries or testes and those hormones are then being produced. But in both boys and girls, there are other glands that sit on top of our kidneys called the adrenal glands and they produce male type hormones in both boys and girls. So Everyone has both male and female type hormones and it's sort of a balance between which you have more of depending on what hormones you have or what glands you have. But the adrenal glands are the ones that produce the hormones that then um, allow the development of pubic hair, hair under your arms, skin changes, body odour. It typically happens within a year or so of the onset of puberty, but they're actually separate processes. So it's not always the case. And sometimes that'll happen on its own a bit earlier than puberty, or that mightn't be happening, but the you know breast development are. is there. Yeah. Okay. So Michelle, there's this sense that puberty and the onset of puberty is getting earlier in kids today perhaps compared to us when we were younger or our parents. Is that a true phenomenon or is that just a myth? There certainly is some evidence that puberty may be getting earlier. And a recent study looked at at a large population of people um, and found that particularly for girls, that breast development is probably happening about a year earlier these days than it was back in the 1970s. But there's still a wide range of, of you know, what, what's typical and what's usual. It is also the case that maybe it's not true breast tissue and maybe it's just chest wall tissue. So chest wall fat tissue may look like breast tissue, particularly in the very early stages. And so whether or not it's true breast tissue or whether there's a, a couple of things at play, we're not sure. And I guess alongside that same timeline, we've definitely had an increase in obesity. That's right. And children being, you know, heavier, overweight, or, or um, and so that may be influencing some of that. It may well be. And also I think there's possibly a societal thing in that, you know, we're, because we're not childbearing in, yes. in adolescence. We're not as, as it's not as needed a sort of ev- evolutionary process. And therefore we're kind of like, you it know, feels wow, does this feel a bit earlier yeah. than it actually is? Yeah. And look, as a pediatrician, I get asked, is this early puberty or is it something else? And you've mentioned the age range, but um, can we talk a little bit about when there's early breast development, but when it's breast development alone. Yeah, that's right. So that's quite a common thing or at least not an uncommon thing that we see. And, you know, a small percentage of of 
girls in particular will get some breast development in the very early years of life. So we what all age are you? so like, you know, one and two, that yes. kind of age. Um, we all actually have a natural process where the puberty hormones are awake in the months after birth and it gets called a mini puberty. But by and large, it's not something that people know about that that often because it's not it's not something that we see signs of in our babies. But for some babies and more commonly little girls, if they develop breast development in response to those hormones, then parents can freak out. <laughs> they definitely yeah. do. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's worrying for them because yeah. they think partly What's is this on? a hormonal problem. And then sometimes they think, particularly if it's unilateral, so mm-hmm. when I say that on one side, they think, is it something else? Is this yeah. a nasty lump that I need to worry about? Well, it does feel like quite a hard little lump in behind the nipple. And so that can really be distressing if you notice that when you're washing your child or drying your child to feel a hard lump in and their And I think as a parent, tissue. you're worried about the next stage. So if they've got breast, does that mean yeah. my two or three-year-old is going to go on to get to go through puberty and get periods, which we're talking about quite a different condition here. So early breast development in the very young years due to the hormones is a different process than early puberty per se. Exactly. Well, it's usually a much, it's a time limited thing that will go away all by itself and it but that can take some time. So it's almost like the hormones are around, the signals are around for a few months, but then the breast tissue develops and by the time it sort of goes away, there's a, a quite a lag. So it can sometimes little girls can be two or three before the breast tissue is fully gone. So we um, would recommend that um, parents take their children to get checked through the GP, a paediatrician or an endocrinologist if needed. But um, most of the time, this will go away. Exactly. So we usually just watch those kids. We'll measure their growth and see that that there's no other signs of puberty, like if they were getting a growth spurt. And so what about a slightly older child? So perhaps under eight, but, you know, six or seven, and parents are noticing that there's a bit of breast development possibly on one side, and they're really concerned that this is early puberty. Is that likely to be something sinister, or what do they need to think about? Yeah, so I think that, again, is something that's worth getting checked out because it's really hard hard to say you know to any to across the board that that that's all okay but by and large the most common thing is that that it's just either an early awakening of the usual processes or that it's not even breast tissue for example that it is fat tissue on the chest wall um in we see it much more commonly in girls than in boys and in girls particularly if it's in that sort of 6 7 age group it's usually just the child's body waking up in its own time that's a slightly earlier awakening than than is typical in boys maybe there's something else going on that the hormone signals are just being thrown a bit out of kilter and and we'd look a little bit more carefully because it's a little bit less common for it just to be early awakening in boys Okay, great. And so a bit of a change of topic. We talked before about body odour, pubic hair, hair under the arms, so that being part of a slightly different process. What about if that's happening early? Yep. So again, the most common thing is that that's just part and parcel of sort of the usual programming for for that particular child and that things are just waking up a little bit a little bit earlier in them than might be the case in their friends or their cousins. Um but if it's so again, usually it's often just a, a few pubic hairs or some body odor with nothing else. Um, I guess it depends on how early, you know. So that that wouldn't be common in the first year of life or in the first few years of life. It you know if it's just a year or so below the kind of usual puberty age, like six seven, then that's pretty commonly just you know 
a benign nothing to be worried about. And I guess that gets to the next thing, which it's reassuring to know this is not going to be anything serious or worrying, but really hard perhaps for parents to deal with. So what sort of approach do you have with these families? I think it's important to get it checked, you know, so because occasionally it will be something else going on. So, you know, sometimes the adrenal glands, those glands on top of the kidneys that produce the hormones, they can either not be sort of handling hormones in the usual way and so producing more than they should and that can have some sort of knock-on effects for the kid that we'd want to know about or it may be that um, you know that that they're just overproducing there's some rogue cells that are just you know producing so getting more it checked getting out. it checked is where is definitely important I think and and certainly recommended if it's just something on its own, particularly if it's just body odour, then it's usually not something to be worried about. If there are other signs like the kids taller, than, like a lot taller than they should be or seem to have quite a lot of changes at an earlier age. So it's ruling out anything worrying and then it's really just reassurance and then with time, obviously, other Everyone else catches catch up. up. Yes. Exactly. But precocious puberty, so early puberty in its entirety when you go through all the stages is the one that we do worry about in kids. Why do we worry? I think that's a great question. I, the main reasons are because we're, we're trying to work out, well, you know, how out of keeping is this and, and why is it happening? So if it's just a little bit out of the usual age range um, and it's part of the normal process, then we're not worried. But if it's in quite a young child, so sometimes we'll see three or four or five-year-olds who are going into puberty and getting, you know, progression through puberty where they're getting more and more development as and sometimes it happens at a quicker rate than might otherwise be the case then that can be a sign that there's something a little bit more worrying going on or that something is throwing the hormone signals out of their usual balance. So you're looking for a cause or an underlying reason for Mm -hmm. that and also thinking about treatment if it's happening that early as a parent, I'd be very concerned. Puberty hormones drive the growth spurt and allow us to, to have our quickest rate of growth ever, but then they also close over the growth plates at our the ends of our bones and once puberty growth is finished we finish growing so that's okay if that happens at 13 or 14 or 15 or 16 but if it happens at the age of six or eight then you you know while you'll often be a really tall child relative to your other five and six year olds while you're having your growth spurt if that's as tall as you're going to be forever, then that can really impact on how tall kids are and their final or adult height. And so there are ways and treatments that can switch those processes off if investigations suggest they're abnormal and they're concerning enough that that needs to happen. Yep. So we can do that. And what we do is basically put puberty on hold. So turn off the signals and, and can keep doing that until a sort of more usual age for the stage of puberty. So maybe we might you know, turn off the signals till the age of 11 or something like that and then allow the process to go back through. Okay, so there's a real range in terms of what's normal and obviously um, some children might be developing signs earlier than is typical but in most cases even that is actually not something that's going to be worrying. Occasionally it is more serious and that's when you might need to do something about it and slow things down. Yeah, that's right. I think you know, and the other thing I guess parents can sometimes be worried about is will my child manage? Like that's yes. you know how they're going to cope with all those hormones, and that's definitely something that's 
you know, in the back of of their mind. Particularly in, with regard to periods and girls, I imagine. Yeah, and just can they, you know, they, they're maybe maturing at a different age, feeling different to their yes. friends and that sort of thing. And that can be a reason why we might want to turn off signals initially. And I think early and late puberty, which we'll go on to talk about, can really have an effect on children, on their self-esteem, on their confidence. Mm-hmm. We'll flip and talk about delayed or late puberty now. And it seems to me that... Um, Boys who go through early puberty often have quite a lot of self-confidence and, you know, they quite enjoy being taller, stronger than than their peers. But boys who have delayed or late puberty often really um, struggle with their self-esteem um, and self-worth and often come to us asking, is there something we can do about it? So can we just redefine what is considered late for girls and boys? So late puberty in a girl would be no sign of breast development beyond the age of 13 um, or no periods by 15 or 16, 16 probably really. Um, And in a boy, uh, no sign of puberty, no no change in your testes um, size by the age of 14. It's much more common in boys than in girls. Um, And I think a lot of what you were relating to there or earlier in relation to what happens at that age and stage. So, you know, by the time if a boy is 14 and they haven't started into puberty, the vast majority of girls have gone through puberty and finished. So they're towering over them in terms of height. But boys still, you know, the boys will have a lot. A boy who hasn't started into puberty might have nearly up to 30 centimetres still more to grow. So they will catch up and overtake a lot of those girls, but they just they're feel They're going to be like, very, very tall at yeah. the sort of five-year school Once reunion. they're done. <laughs> and right. you look across at year sevens and there is such a difference, isn't yeah. there, between huge. the girls, the boys, different yeah. boys and girls. And we all huge. know kids who are in the, you know, back row of yeah. the primary school photos who then end up in the front row of the year 12 photos because they have finished their puberty by the time they were 11 and had finished growing. But it's still really hard for some of those boys and it's hard to convince them that they will grow. It will just take time. And what are the common reasons then for delays in puberty? So by far and away the most common thing is just that it's that child's programming and yes. and often that's something that runs in families like Genetic. you were talking yes. about so yeah my, my so. poor kids will be very much waiting <laughs> quite a while for any sort of action i think and i think that's you know a really common story that we hear so most you know parents who come to see us with their young person because you know they know themselves that they had it i guess for for girls there's sort of a sentinel event of your first period yes. for boys it's a little bit harder in terms of you know were you feeling like you were out of keeping in year seven, year eight, year nine. And what about sport and physical activity these days, both in boys and girls, but how does that play into, and weight gain and or lack yeah, of weight so, gain, how does that play into so puberty? Weight certainly does play a role. And so puberty and growth in general are kind of processes in the body that the body will do when it's well, well nourished and, and has energy for that. But if, if, you're sick or if you have some other illness going on or if you're not gaining weight well or losing weight. So yes. if you're over exercising potentially or, you know, um, or if you are actively trying to lose weight, then your body will sort of put puberty on hold. It'll often kind of, you know, prioritize other things and using the energy that you've got for 
you know, more important features like breathing and yes. beating your heart. <laughs> and remembering, I guess, yeah. that it's all about, you know, are you getting ready to be able to carry a baby? That's and right. And so that's where yeah. if a person is energy not physically that. in that stage, they, they're not going to move through those stages. The bodies really are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. The sort of itself the regulates. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So so we do know that, that if kids, are, you know, are underweight, for example, yes. then they often may not go into puberty at, at a usual timing. And... You know, I guess a bit in line with that, we are heavier as a as a general population at the moment, and that might be feeding into why puberty is happening Could be earlier. A bit earlier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So just back to late puberty. So as a parent, when should I take my child to get checked, um, and who should I go and see? So I think, Lexi, if you're worried, or if you or your your child is worried that maybe puberty isn't happening and seems to be delayed, then a good place to start is with your GP and have a chat with them and they can point you in the right direction. When might there be a situation where you'd intervene, where you think, actually, this is a concern that puberty hasn't happened here and we need to think more about doing something? I think if there isn't a family history, then that would be something where we'd be a little bit more likely to have a look. There is a pretty simple test of of an x-ray that we can look at to see, sort of give an idea of the child's programming. And, you know, if if their bones look younger than they are, then that's just a a better sort of marker of their stage of development. And we can often reassure kids, look, this is going to happen. It's just taking its time. Um, But, you know, if... If nothing seems to be happening and if we see someone, you know, maybe see them a few months later and there hasn't been a change and they are in the sort of older cutoff, beyond the ages cutoff, then we would often maybe do some investigations. And most commonly, you know, if it's looking just like it, things haven't woken up, but there's nothing else going on that we need to be thinking about you we'll know, just managing. Wait. Yeah, we'll wait. Or if the young person is feeling, you know, really like they want things to get going, then we can what we call kickstart puberty and so basically if we we give some of the hormone like testosterone which is the hormone in boys if we give a short course of testosterone the body sort of gets used to having that because it's you know it it should be in the mix around that time and then the signals will kick off and continue the process most commonly. So a bit of a change of topic now, talking about puberty in children with disabilities or differences. So we've talked about um, some of the, if you like, the changes or the burden that might come with puberty emotionally, particularly having to manage periods in girls. Some of the things or concerns that families worry about seizure disorders getting worse, worries about emotional and behavioural issues that might be associated with puberty kicking off. What do we need to think about in this particular group? I think you're right, Anthea. I think it's a really common concern for families. And again, it sort of goes to that, you know, this is going to be a period of change and what's going to happen and what are, what's what's going to be the result of those changes. Um, So it's really difficult in advance to predict that. So, you know, for some kids, they do seem to to maybe have more, say, frequent seizures than might otherwise be the case, or others struggle in terms of, you know, mood and behaviour and that sort of thing. Um, But I, I think probably less than parents are worried that that they will, if that makes sense. So it the does. vast majority of kids actually manage really well and it's not as big a dramatic event or or, or a stage as, you know, parents might fear. There's certainly lots that can be done. So we, we wouldn't want to turn off puberty in 
in a young person with disability. I think, because and I think that's really important mm. just to interject there because sometimes that's what families. It's not that like they necessarily ask for that, but they're they're mm. wondering is that something we could do or can we at least delay it because you know they're so not concerned ready. about how everyone is going to manage what what probably is less well known is just that the hormones of puberty play really important other roles in our bodies. So they're really important in our bone health and strength, and which can also sometimes be an issue for other children with disabilities for other reasons, um, but also in our general maturity and development and brain development and that kind of thing. So it is important that we allow puberty to happen, but if it's causing issues, like, like sometimes around periods, you know, with seizures or that sort of thing or or migraines or headaches or that kind of thing, we can manage periods and there are things that we can do to manage the effects so that there's not there aren't they're not problems as such, but but we wouldn't necessarily turn off puberty. And and we do find often that they in fact sail through and Yeah, that's right. And, and kids you know, actually it's not manage not nearly as bad as people think it might be. No, that's right. Kids manage and girls manage really well with periods, I think, you know, more more than we possibly give them credit for in advance. Even kids with disabilities or kids who have their periods younger than might otherwise be the case actually manage quite well just as long as they are given the the skills in terms of hygiene. Yeah, and I think we've come a long way in terms of, you know, facilities at school. It's not like there's the one toilet with the one facility and everyone's watching to see who uses that and, you know pads are not as thick as surfboards anymore and there's period undies and all kinds of things that have progressed that make all of this a lot more accessible and manageable for that's right you know girls and and young women today which is great and I think it's a lot of our fear as parents because of what we may have gone through (laughs) but actually the world is very different now for our kids than it was for us so I think that's all we have time for today it's been an incredibly helpful and interesting discussion and we've got many amazing resources that we're going to link in our show notes and also include some resources for children with special needs. So thanks so much for joining us today, Michelle. It's been lovely to have you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to follow us on your preferred podcast platform and press subscribe. And it would also be fantastic if you could leave us a review. Please try thinking about sharing one thing you found interesting today with a friend. And thanks for listening. Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, discussions with your doctor or healthcare professional. If you are concerned about your child, please consult your local healthcare professional for further advice.